What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. And Howdy, all. Uh, Ak will be here in a few moments. Um, it is a rainy Friday in Buffalo, and we're going to talk about some games from last night and sort of maybe preview the weekend. Um, but I have to start with this because, you know, and I, I we've directed our commentary about, like, the – American presidential election away. You know, I haven't commented a lot on it because I think our feelings have been pretty well known that we all think Donald Trump is a big stiff and a moron. Um, and if you needed proof of that, last night was was proof positive. There is a tradition in, in U.S. politics. It's called the Al Smith Dinner. It's a Al Smith was a former uh, presidential candidate in the I believe in the 20s, and he was Catholic. He was the first Catholic presidential nominee and this cat they have this catholic dinner they say back then they would never nominate a catholic president <laughs> something like something like that i mean I, I heard some reference to the fact that if al smith had won the presidency that that kids would not be able to take bibles into schools or some, some ridiculous thing like that i mean it just it's 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 amazing how 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 much progress we've made in a hundred years yeah and then john kennedy was the first catholic president in right but uh, and they they shot him for it probably. Yeah. But um, but so there there it's a tradition after the debates that they the, the Republican and the Democratic presidential candidate will go to this Al Smith dinner and the dinner is basically let's have uh you know let let's have, like let's be nice at least you know jab at each other but be pleasant and and be humorous and after all this serious stuff we'll just you know sort of clean the slate a little bit. Right. That's been the tradition since the dinner started. I think it was in 1960 that it started. Well, last night, Mr. Trump decided that he was going to go left when he went should have gone right because he decided to actually slam Hillary Clinton at the Al Smith dinner for being anti-Catholic. It, it, Russ. It boggles the mind how ridiculous this guy is. He's just he's trying to play to a certain demographic in the voting audience, and it's the wrong place to do it. There are well, there are there aren't that many morons in the United States. So. No, there's there's, but the thing is, his time to do it was at the debate when when he lost the debate. You don't get to make it up there and not show decorum. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, just touching on other sports for a second. Um, I don't know if you. I don't know if I want to go into the whole Josh Brown thing, but the boy, boy, the the NFL continues to like get mud in their face. And I'll just. I'll say this because I'm close to the area where a lot of it's going on. Have we heard anything about Roger Goodell's opinion on this? No, nothing. No. The NFL has been deadly silent on this, and this is and this That's is bad. You would you would think. And this is, I I believe you know one of the things I, I believe is in in consistency in terms of you know penalties in terms of punishment consistency. You have an NFL who suspended uh, Tom Brady four games for 
overinflating footballs and suspended Ray Rice, what was it, one game before he was cut? One game for beating his wife to a pulp in an elevator. And they wouldn't have they wouldn't have charged him or they wouldn't have even given him that one game, but then the video came out afterward and then the league had egg on their face. So now and I don't know all the details of this Josh Brown situation, but I, I do know that it's it's abuse of his wife, and he has not been suspended. He What I heard on the radio today is at the Pro Bowl, they had to put his wife and his and his one child, I'm not sure how many kids he has, in an undisclosed location so he didn't know where they were at. That's how bad it got at the Pro Bowl. Yeah, and then you want, and then you wonder why the NFL's ratings are going down. Yeah. Um, and one other note uh, – the Chicago Cubs are one game away from uh, <laughs> from making the World Series for the first time since 1945, I believe. I think it was. I think that was the last year they they were in the series. Sounds about right. Yeah, they but they did. They haven't won since 1908. So if the Cubs win one more game, and Game Six will be tough. Hey, all they have to do is beat Curtin Clay, Clayton Kershaw. That's yeah, easy. I was say, Clay, Clayton Kershaw is the, you know on full rest is going to be sort of tough to beat. But if yep. they if they do. If they do do it, then you're going to have a team that hasn't won a World Series since 1948 against a team that hasn't won since 1908. One has the manager of the Red Sox who broke the streak. One has the general manager of the Red Sox who broke the streak. Both of them have ex-New York Yankee relief pitchers. I mean, it's bizarre. It's it's it yeah, be Somebody will have to win. That's my my contention there. But But the thing is, if the Cubs lose to Kershaw tomorrow, yes. the pressure is back on them. Oh my God! Game uh, Game Seven at Wrigley. Now, was was when they lost in '03 the Bartman series? I think Game Seven was at Wrigley too, and I think they, I, I, I think they folded, they folded up in that. Yeah, game. I think that was the case. I think you're right. Yeah, and Mo- and yeah, Mo- Moises Alou has earned a bad place in my heart forever for the reaction. For, to the Bartman play because, you know what, that poor guy, I mean, okay, don't reach over, don't do – but if Moises Alou had just been, you know, okay about it, the the vitriol wouldn't have been as bad. But he acted like a petulant child, jumped up and down, and then everybody focused on this guy, this, this weird yeah. guy wearing earmuffs and headphones. Just the way it is for the Cubs, you know. I mean, there was the black cat in 69 – that was at Shea, though. So yeah. if we see a black cat at Wrigley, you know somebody brought it in. Like, and yeah. just for just for your own edification, Brian Gumble was on uh, Michael K's show on uh, on on Yes yesterday, and he's a, mo- a monstrous Cub fan, and he he proclaimed loudly that the '69 Cubs were. I think he said they were the best team to not best team to never win a World Series, or they were so much better than the '69 Mets that it was an embarrassment. Yeah, ex- exactly. So. Okay. I will say this too. I will say this. I feel bad for Bob Newhart because he posted a picture with his grandson the other day when they were getting their, you know, what's beat like five nothing, and he looked kind of sad. And then before the series began, he had that big W, you know, flag, and he's like, "I'm getting too old for this crap. Please win." And it's true. People have gone a lifetime. Well, and you know, it's it's funny. It's funny how like many celebrity your celebrities you're seeing. In the crowd at Wrigley, like I remember uh, for for the game that they the second the first game you saw Eddie Vedder, who's a, apparently a big a big Cub fan, John Cusack, 
uh, Bill Bill Murray, obviously. So it's like it, it seems that and it seems that there's a being a there is going to be a pilgrimage. To- it'll be everybody against LeBron. That's how it'll be. <laughs> <laughs> Great. All right, let's start the show. Um, Hello, Hockey World. Today is Friday, October twenty first, twenty sixteen. I'm Russ Cohen. That's all you get. <laughs> I'm Michael Agello. Ackland will be here in a moment, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Uh, we had a, a full slate of games in the NHL last night. Let's start with the one I was watching. And uh, Russ, I mean, you know, it's I know that we've talked on the show, and I talked to you about this um, about the fact that and you know, Ack and and you thought that the Leafs would come out of the gate shot out of a cannon because of the you know the the emotion and the Vim and vigor. Well, we, we thought that Matthews would, so we were right about that part. But we did think the Leafs would be better. There's no question. Yeah, and then, no, and then and I was not down on them. I, I don't. I don't want to be the you know Debbie Downer here. I but mm-hmm. I'm looking at this team realistically, and if you look at now they've played four games. They're one, one and two, which is you know not terrible, but the way those two overtime losses. They lost 5-4 in Ottawa after Matthew scores four goals against a team that can't play defense. They, they're up 4 nothing against uh, against Winnipeg and lose 5-4 in overtime with Line A, you know, making his early case for the Calder. Yeah. And then last night, they played well. Jonas Enroth, who was the backup uh, to Frederick Anderson, played well. Um, it was... Two to one in the third period. Eric Stahl or, or uh, they, they, uh, Zach Delpy ties it. Eric Stahl wins it. Eric Stahl always seems to kill the Leafs. Yeah. But Minnesota is not. I mean, to me, Minnesota is not a great team. And Toronto was a very young team. So these are the types of games that until everybody gets on the same page as as Mike Babcock, they're going to lose. Yeah, and it's the the defense has a hard time holding leads and. I don't know what they can do with the current people they have, with the players they have, to sort of fix that. The only thing I've thought of that could possibly fix it, but it definitely would affect their offense, is just to ask the forwards to sort of make up the slack. And, you know, that could be why Brandon Prust is still hanging around, because there was a time where he was a terrific defensive forward. If they sort of inserted him in that role, if his skating's a little better, yeah. Maybe he could plug up a few gaps that way. And that's got to be the thinking. They're not looking at him for goals. And they're not – even even for agitation at this point, I'm not sure they're looking at him for. It must be for the defense. Well, possibly. And, and you know, I think also there is an aspect there where they want to make sure that their young kids do not get pushed around. And Brandon Prust will stick up for teammates. I think he's yeah. – he's, 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 he has that reputation, and I think he would do, do that. But – the problem with this team right now, and I think it will be a problem ongoing throughout the season, and maybe Lou Lamorello can address part of it during the year and maybe more of it during the offseason, is their blue line. Now, they, yep. played, they played Martin Marinson over 24 minutes against Winnipeg on the top pairing with Morgan Riley. He was Desperation. Minus- it was minus two, and there was a goal, there was a goal that the, the first goal that Line A scored was in front of the net he was allowed to basically pirouette to a turnaround and a wrist shot that beat Anderson. And Marinson was within a foot of him and did not touch him. And this is a guy who's six foot four. Yeah. You know, he may not be the biggest, thickest guy in the world, but he's got to tie up a player. He's got to impose his physical will. 
on the player and prevent him. You could him. blame Anderson on that, too. He really did nothing to cover the top corner. Like, he didn't come out for the angle or anything. I think, I mean, there is right criticism of Anderson right now for, I mean, I think he's been going down early. And, I'll, and the book on him, I think, is shoot high and maybe even shoot sticks. Well, up. shoot high is like on a lot of guys. I think the issue here is, and this is what made it hard to sort of see how good Anderson was. Yeah. Listen, he was playing in front of a pretty elite defense in Anaheim. Yes. And now he's not. And so there's definitely an adjustment period for that. And we don't know. Here's the thing. In the old days, there were these goalies that even without defense – could stop shot after shot after shot after. But now everybody is such a sniper or at least can can really pick the corners, whether they're a 20-goal guy or a five-goal guy, that now it's hard to have a goalie that could just get outshot and really overcome a bad defense. We really don't see that as much anymore. Goalies still can steal games, but when they steal games, it's pretty rare. Yeah. And you know, to, to further the point, Marinson was, was benched. Um, well, I heard a report he was injured. I heard a report he was just scratched. They put in Roman Pollock. Roman Pollock is not a great defender, but veteran guy. He scores a goal. Um, but the minutes go to Connor Carrick, who I like as a player, but he's, I believe, 22 years old, and he's a smaller guy. He's not a top-pairing guy. He's maybe a, t- a, bot- a, a second-pairing or more likely a bottom pairing guy, and he played 23, close to 24 minutes. You you can't you cannot do that. It's just no. not going to work. They're in a spot. They're and look, Zaitsev. I told you there'd be an adjustment period, and I like him. Yeah, There's a lot playing, to like. He's playing well. I mean, I think eventually, like if if they don't go out and make a trade for a Truba or a Fowler or somebody like that, I think that eventually what the, what's going to happen is putting putting Riley and Truba together. But then you're sort of putting all your eggs in one basket. Then your number two pairing is probably Jake Gardner and Connor Carroll. That's how it is for teams now. That's where I go back to why everybody's wondering why is the scoring up. Well, if you look at the Leafs, even if they stack their defensemen, after two it gets a little weak. Yeah. If, if, you know, if you look at a team like Winnipeg, if you stack their defensemen after four, it definitely gets weak. And after three, it's a little compromised, but after four, it's definitely com- – you know, and then and then you start wondering why can't teams hold leads? Why And, and this is a big reason why. Yeah. And, and, and that's – I mean, right now, you can't say it's a trend because most teams have played four or five games. You yeah. Know, it's a small sample. It could it could slow down dramatically as teams sort of get used used to things. But if but if what well, we talked about with Kevin yesterday, if the if the the theme of the league is following the Pittsburgh model, which is mobile, fast defense, jumping into the play, then you're going to see offensive numbers go up, and that'll be entertaining. But I think it'll drive it'll drive some coaches to drink. It will. Uh, and the thing is, we didn't see it all year from Pittsburgh. I think that's an important yeah. thing that we all gloss over too. That was literally for a half a season we saw that. And so we don't even know if it's really sustainable yet, even though everybody has jumped into it because they like what they've seen. It could easily revert back after 25 games. Teams start saying, okay, you know what? We don't like this model. Yeah. Um, Now, uh, New Jersey and Boston, the Bruins win a 2-1 victory over the Devils. And Patrice Bergeron comes back and scores the game winner late in the third period, all the offense in the third period. I checked in on this game a little bit. Um, but 
right now, if you look at the Bruins, the center of their the center of that team continues to be Marchand and Bergeron. And you know, I'm not slamming David Backus. I'm not saying Pasternak isn't a good player, but it, it seems like as goes Mer, um, uh, Bergeron and Marchand, that you know, then the Bruins follow. If they're playing well, they're going to win. If they're not, or if they're injured, then they're in trouble. No doubt. But I think the Chara connection with Carlo is big too, because like like we said, Chara may not be the same player he used to be, but he is really doing a lot to help bring along one of their good young defensemen, and that's helping solidify their defense. And something that Ty said a week or two ago is that, you know what, J.M. Lyles, we could say what we want about him, but he got on the scoreboard again yesterday too. He's always going to manage to creep in offensively, and that is a big help for the Bruins too. That was a good pickup. Yeah, the funny, th- the funny thing is that John Michael Lyles, when the Leafs picked him up, and I think it was in 2011 or 2012, hey, uh, let me just finish this point and we'll uh, – when when they when they when the Leafs picked up Lyles from Colorado, he was an effective defenseman on the power play. He could move the puck, and then he got concussed, and he was never the same. And then he was traded to Carolina for Tim Gleason, and it took a while for him to get back. But the year that his contract was up, he started to play like he did before the concussion. It took him a couple years, but now with Carolina. And last year at the end of the season with Boston, and now this year with Boston, he's been effective. He's in his mid-30s, but he's still an effective guy. And if you don't overuse him, he's a he's a good veteran guy. Yep. Hey, I... Hello, how are you guys doing? Good. We just reviewed uh, the Devils-Bruins and uh, Leafs game, and we waited and held back the Flyers game for you. <laughs> Thank you. And there was a tremendous outpouring on Facebook and Instagram about the Necco wafers you gave me. So many pluses and minuses. <laughs> we couldn't even fill up. We would fill a whole show just trying to talk about it. Really? It's That's unbelievable the, the response. I have to check that out. The pink ones are wintergreen. I know people think they're Pepto Bismol flavor. No, one of one of them tastes like um, palm olive. Like. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure which one that is, but I've tasted the other day. It really reminded me of like, you know. But but Mike also figured it out. The one that we said had the licorice kind of taste is anise. And you really don't have anise flavored candy. And that's what's so interesting. It's like a, that's like a coffee flavor that you put in coffee or something. Syrupy Mm -hmm. flavor. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. It's funny. I I had no idea that that would have such an outcry. I got to check that out. That's pretty hilarious. That's awesome. I have some more. Um, I've got, I actually called Joe. Joe Yurden, a noted candy jerk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I take that proudly, very proudly indeed. Couldn't be happy about that. So yeah, I'm glad you I'm glad you saved the exciting and awesome Flyers game. <laughs> Always doing your favors. It was not the greatest game ever played in the history of man by both teams. Um, I thought I thought it was pretty rough actually. I, I you know I don't know maybe. Is it me or is it was it just like covering the World Cup for two weeks where you're watching players at a really high level all the time? I think that's I, a part of it. I think I think that because I'm I'm seeing more players fan on shots than I've ever than I can ever remember. Like I, in, in last night, and, and last night especially in that game, so many times a player just you know goes to shoot it and just it just whiffs on it or gets very little of it or just basic passes. Well, you know, Shane Gossespear was asked about that, and he sort of sidestepped that, saying, well, I don't think they're playing me closer or anything's really changed, but it, it has. I mean, just yeah. that little bit of difference. And, it, and it, fanning doesn't always mean you miss a shot altogether. It just means you may not yeah. get also all of the wood. And that may be why yeah. he's hitting so many posts. I mean, because there is that slight adjustment. Yeah, although he was hitting posts in the uh, 
yeah. in the World Cup as well. He, he's a post hitter uh, in general. But yeah, I think, I mean, there are there are some positive things for the Flyers for last night for sure, and 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 I thought some positive things for the Ducks. I mean, the Ducks actually killing off all those power plays as much as you want to give the give the Flyers a hard time about that was that was an impressive job by the Ducks killing off. It the was. Players. They have a good PK and and they definitely are proud of it, but. There is that point, and I did post a snarky tweet because it almost was like Anaheim was like, yeah, we'll put you on the power play and, and we'll just demoralize you that way. And that's not their intent, but that is what happened. Right, right. No, it is what happened. And, and, they, and you know, there was, it was interesting because uh, Corey Perry's goal last night that tied it at two. Angry goal. Was such an angry goal. Like it was literally, literally like he comes out of the penalty box after getting another penalty they didn't think he took. Comes down, gets a drop pass, and and blows like a probably a hundred and eight mile an hour slap shot past Mason within five feet of him, like literally just crazy. I mean, he he just blasted a shot, and and it was it was one of those no doubt about it, it in and out yeah. shots so fast because it yeah. was you could tell Corey Perry was pissed. <laughs> he was really angry, and uh, and that was kind of a determining moment I thought because it, at that moment the, the there were certain players in the Ducks that just looked a lot better than players on the Flyers. It was like it was interesting how that it breathed new life into him at that point, yeah. and and I think it was Getzlaff who was literally just pushing Provorov backwards so Perry could move up in the play. Yeah and get a much closer shot. He moved in a good five to seven feet on that shot. And I think that was a four on two. Like that was a bad change by the Flyers. And and that is the problem sometimes when you have rookies is, and it was on the defense pairings, that was a bad defensive change. And it really hurt them. It was. And and, um, and Provorov played better, still making a few weird mistakes, um, yeah. rushing, rushing the puck, I think. I think he's trying to do things a little too fast is my theory. Um, that he's, you know, he's the, the speed of the game is picked up, and he's trying to make things do things too quickly, and he's throwing, you know, simple passes. Like there was one instance during a, during a power play where he just threw a puck out of the zone, essentially that was a simple pass to strike at, at the point, you know, just but yeah. he so hard and so quickly, that strike couldn't even react to it, um, and I think that is a, you know, and I will, and I do, you know, and I do want to bring up the Provorov long stick theory that I was throwing around last night, Russ, because it yeah, I never found evidence of it. I have to be honest. I have to check it out because I think he uses the a much longer stick than he should, and it. I mean, I he's probably used this stick all of his life. I don't know, but it's fascinating to me because when you watch Provorov handle the puck, um, his you know his arm is up like this, like where a normal normal player would be like this, yeah, you know, holding the stick. His arm is like this. Yeah, and you can see it, and it's very strange. And and I know um, other guys who use long sticks, but he really, and and, and quite often he's very awkward because he holds the puck. He's got this long stick and, and and stick handles very close to his body. Now that's definitely the way he holds it, and that's why I don't know if it's long or if it's just technique. It's a strange look. Like it's not it's not something like so many players in the NHL look the same, you know. Yeah. Um, and he just doesn't. I mean, you guys like you know Gostisier who. Well, a lot of defensemen want to have a stick. Want to have a stick that. Has has length to it, but has a lie on the on the blade that they can they can stick handle close to their body. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it might it might be something. I like think that's that. what he's doing. But it, what's happening? I think it's I think it's the kind of thing that's hurting him in the NHL right now. For whatever it's worth, you know, just it's the kind of thing that he is not able to battle for pucks in close against guys who are much faster than he's used to. You know, um, I mean, it, I think that that's, I don't know, it seems to be affecting it. I, I, I might be totally wrong, but it, it's, it really strikes me every time he carries the puck. Um, and last night, Konechny looked like he was, you know, a little bit out of sorts. He was getting hit around a lot. I mean, that's a physical team, that Anaheim team, 
Well, I mean, they well, they throw a lot of checks. And that, that was yeah. the that was the point I was trying to make because I was flipping through a lot of games in between periods when not watching the Leaf game because that's the one I was concentrating on. And the one thing I noticed, and and Russ said this after the game last night, was the fact that. Philadelphia's defense, at least half of their blue line, are not exactly physical guys. Strite, McDonald, Gosta Spirit are all smaller defensemen, all yep. you know, based on the, they're, they're the, the, the good aspect of their game is their mobility. And the fact yep. that Anaheim is a big team, you're going to have a problem with if you're the Flyers, if you come up against a big team and those big forwards muscle their way to the net and, and physically dominate their defense. And that that's why I think it's going to be a couple years for that Flyers defense to get guys like Sanheim and, yeah. and other guys. And that's why Gudis is sort of like has to come in certain games. Yes. Yeah, you do need him at times. You really do. Um, and they, I mean, they, you know, and people were getting over Mason. I didn't think it was Mason's fault at all. No, Mason really, did nothing wrong in that game. Yeah, I don't think that was him. And people, a lot of people were really ripping him today. Um, but I didn't think that was that. Was They're just mad because they lost the home opener. That's that's where that's coming from. It was a bad setup for a home opener too. Like going into it, you knew it because you had the coming off a road trip of three games. You know, um, yep. two nights ago in Chicago, very emotional, like battle back game that they lost, um, and then coming against Anaheim, who hadn't won yet. Um, who was desperate for a win? Like Anaheim needed this win very, very badly. I did um, like the uniforms, though. I have to say, I like the I like the gold on the uniforms. You like them? Yeah, they look pretty good. I maybe they look better on TV. Uh, live, yeah, I didn't like them. It is a TV thing. Uh, live, I didn't like them at least from because remember where the press box is really high up, and I yeah. honestly, the numbers were were it's completely harder to illegible. read the numbers. It is. Yeah, I mean, very illegible to me. Like I could not read the numbers at all. I was. <laughs> you know, just and well, I was sitting next to the guy from KYW. And I was talking to him about it, and he, we were just joking about it. Like, I really have no idea if that's God's despair or strike. You know, I'm just I'm trying my best. It's, it's so crazy because you know that, my eyes aren't the greatest, I guess. But my goodness, that, that's nothing compared to those 3D uniforms they had some years back. I remember watching them on TV, and I could not <laughs> yeah. make out the numbers on television. <laughs> yeah, those were a lot worse, but. But these these were I mean they were okay they look good on fans you know like when you see people wearing them they look good I, they're the kind of jersey you don't you would want to own so but I don't think you know sometimes that doesn't necessarily equate into the kind of jersey that works well in the yeah. arena I think that's fair you know like a lot of the dark jerseys you know are the same way and, and I thought that was kind of interesting about the um, team North America jerseys like you know the McDavid yeah. one I had back there they yeah. were um they they look good on and they look they look good in the arena too they look good they yeah. look good live too they look better to, to me those look better live than they did when I saw them just you know in an ad yeah yeah can can we can we talk about the fact that the edmonton oilers well hang on i got we got two more points hold okay. it edmonton Oilers. so mm -hmm. one thing about the flyers game that i found interesting was when i interviewed ryan garbett after the game he said that was the fourth game that they had that was a a season opener and <laughs> oh wow and if you think about that that's kind of an oddity because yeah and so Ooh, i asked him so, I asked him if that's a problem waiting that extra 20 minutes. And he said, no, you know, teams have been getting good about it. It's gotten a little faster and it is for both teams. But I could also tell under the surface that he's sort of happy that that's over because when you want to play, you want to play and you don't yeah. want to have to wait for these ceremonies. And so that is a little bit of an adjustment for players when they're on the road, especially. Well, also the fact yeah. that teams get worked up for their openers, so it's like yeah. you're you're facing a team that's even more jacked up than they normally would be, than yes. on a, rather than on a, on a Tuesday night in the middle of November. Although I, you know, I think that, I mean, the Flyers did a good job at keeping it short, but I, they, they, you know, they did. It, but I felt like they actually kept it 
too short if possible. It felt like they no, rushed it. No. Now, I felt like, I mean, it felt like they should have started earlier and just not rushed it. Like to me, they were rushing it. Um, there was a lot, I mean, they, they, they went through a very interesting um, eulogy of sorts of every person who's ever been involved with the flyers that is no longer alive. Yeah. Um, and it was really, it was pretty intense. You know, it was, it was, um, I mean, like, yeah. I didn't know, I didn't know Andre Lomachin died. Like what the heck? <laughs> I mean, I, certain guys I never did. Like I was watching this, I'm like, holy cow, Miroslav Dvorak's dead. Like I, there were certain players that I was just I was watching this. I was like, that's very interesting. That did mean, they, obviously, you know, guys like Peter Zezel and players like that. And it was one of those things where people, you know, cheered when they recognized the person. Most, but most of the players, most people weren't recognizable. Um, I will tell you the most surprising picture, and this is one I've been covering this team now religiously for ten years, eleven years, and I've known it my whole life. And I never seen a picture of Jacques Plant as a flyer. And now, yeah. he now he was a consultant, a consultant. Right, he was a goalie coach. Well, sort of, they didn't sort of goalie say coach. goalie coach; they just said consultant. Yeah, yeah. Well, you look it up online. And do you know when he was a goalie coach for them? With Bernie. Okay, so that makes sense because Bernie was his goaltending partner yeah. in Toronto in the early seventies. But yep, I'm just telling talking. you, we've seen a million ceremonies. We've oh seen, yeah, we've never seen Jacques Plante associated. We've never him. seen. There was like a <gasps> what's Jacques Plante doing there? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, you go through some of them like Pat Quinn and certain like yeah, that are really those. that are awesome, you know, and that you rem and that you remember, and then players, you know, like Tertishny and guys yeah. who died very strangely and yes. young. Um, Yannick Dupre, like these yeah. players who were very, you know, I very sad. That, but I did not expect to see Jacques Plant. Yeah, but that was a, the, yeah. the the best part though was definitely the video they did in the beginning on the ice of, and I've I posted it. And it's been out there, I'm sure. Other places, I'll try to, I can show you guys in a little bit. I'll bring it up, but was the um, vintage video game hockey of 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 the Flyers era. So of course, to me, that yeah. appeals, you know, because you know, guys, like I love. I collect video hockey games. So this, well, this when they got off, to the NHL 94, I did have to divulge that I never once played the Flyers in NHL 94. <laughs> you never played the Flyers. Yeah. I don't think Eric did either. I was always, I was always the Flyers in, in our, when we were living together in that house in Maple Shade, <laughs> New Jersey. So yeah, I, um, but that was definitely a, it's a good memory for sure. And, uh, but this started out with the, you know, the Flyers and the Russians and, yeah. um, and that was a that was a rod hockey game like we had talked about you know and then yeah. it, it went into the Nintendo hockey which is it like is, my yeah. which is the crazy like that was just the fat guy middle sized guy skinny guy hockey game I which is awesome tell. to me it looked like it was Blades of Steel but I wasn't a hundred well, they went they went to Blades of Steel after that they did they okay from Nintendo to Blades of Steel yeah yeah um, and that was what was so cool about it it was really it was really um that and I put that out I got tons of responses about about that uh, yeah. last night it was just it was so it was so interesting and. I gave credit for that. That was something that they, that the Flyers, it was a I cool had, thing that they did. I only like video games that had fighting in it. When they got rid of the fighting, it's. Yeah, that was it. You know, that's funny because there's fighting in this one of this mic. Here, you're going to watch. I'm going to put this on here. So, Harry, here we go. Um, but, so you know, while you're doing that, the one thing I think fans are sort of getting too glued on is these 3D performances. Because, like, I thought I put it up on my Facebook page and yeah. Yeah, just on Facebook. The Devils was very good because it was called like one with New Jersey and they actually showed all of the counties in New Jersey. And I thought that's the first time I've ever seen the Devils sort of try and reach out to their state, even though they realize like in my area, it's mainly Flyers country. And right. it wasn't as 3D last year, but the message was better. So I think the message is good mixed in with it. It makes it better. That's just yeah. me. I'm with you on that. So here we go. I mean, um, so this is like, that's Nintendo hockey. Okay. That's right. like, that's the big right. guy, little guy guy. Yeah. And that's like, you know, that's, that was the thing that now then they have this. Now this is, this is blades of steel. Yes. That's blades of steel there. Yes. 
And um, and that goes, you know. I wish they'd had the audio for that. Blades of Steel. Blades of Steel, yes. And that, and then this is the fight. Remember this, like yes. the Blades of Steel fight. Yes. I mean, this is pretty awesome the way they did this. It really was. And then they had this. Now that's NHL ninety ninety four four, right? Which you never saw from that angle because that was always right. like the side angle thing. Right. But um, it was pretty. I mean, I, I thought it was one of those things that I thoroughly appreciated. And of course, then it goes to like you know the Sega games yeah. and like earlier, so it gets into the modern stuff. But I thought that was really cool, and I missed the slot hockey thing before it because there is a slot hockey thing. So they had that too. So hockey was great. Yeah, yeah, it was really. I don't know, just and it was very, very well done. I mean, to the point where you know, even like the cynical, the cynical of us up in the press box were were saying that's pretty darn cool. <laughs> it is. I enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, that was that was fun. But um, but yeah, I think that you know the the um. It's interesting the Flyers have not played an Eastern Conference team yet, um, but they've played four Western Conference teams. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, fascinating. And, and, and you guess- notice the Western Conference teams have no problem wanting to fight because they realize this is it. They may see him once more, and there's no real retaliation. That's oh, yeah. Happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, why, that's why this, you know, the, the, the media creation of the Line A Matthews rivalry from the game on yeah. Wednesday, it's not going to happen because Line A's. Play, they play each other twice. Right. They, they, I don't think there'll be a McDavid, there'll be a McDavid uh, Matthews rivalry because they play each other twice. Right. It's it, it, they really have to be like Crosby and Ovechkin, where they play each other four or five times a year and have a genuine dislike for each other. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think that's um. I have one more thought, and then we should get to the Oilers. So Go ahead. My yep. point. My, my other thought is. That was a game where Travis Konechny got pushed around a tremendous amount. And yeah. that is where, even though he has four points, you have to wonder, are teams going to start using that now as a strategy? Because yeah. he did have two shots on goal, but he was a minus, and he wasn't a factor, and his line was not a factor. As a result, Voracek on his own was a factor, and Couturier for a play or two on his own was a factor. But that line did not click like it had previously clicked, so you have to look at that. Yeah. Um, Prover have a minus seven right now in the NHL. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is the thing. It's like we 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 like the speed. We like the fact that smaller players are are able to make an impact in the NHL. But we know that this league is cyclical, and we know that at a certain point, when small players get pushed around, you're gonna start seeing it go back the other way, where they're gonna be drafting players for size. I mean, they're they'll right. always want them to be fast. But yep. the, the guys who are six foot five and have reach or are or are more physical, they're going to still be in it. There's still going to be an advantage for those guys over a five foot nine nine guy who can fly around. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and and, and you know, with with those guys, I mean, the thing about guys like Connect Me, I mean, he's not small, but he's not big. You know, he's he's in the middle of there. He's but he's he's not like Johnny Gaudreau. He's he's bigger than that, but he's. But he he is he's slight, you know. He doesn't seem to have a whole lot of weight to him. Right. Um, and he I mean, gets, you know. he's thicker than he was, and I, I know yeah. his strength is better. I just don't know if it's enough. But the other thing is too, Provorov's playing with Mark Streit. It is not the same as like Carlo playing with with Zdeno Chara. You know what I mean? That that's yeah yeah, yeah I know I know not the same. Right? No, and um and Streit struggled too. So and uh, those two uh, those two don't know how to play together yet. And I'm no. watching watching last night. How many times did you see Stripe behind the net trying to do an outlet, and then um, and you'd have Provorov right to the left of him on the boards, basically waiting for a pass. This happened like yes. six or seven times, yeah. and it would and Stripe would wait a long time, and Provorov would be there, and not once did Stripe go to him. 
no. every every so it would always go forward to yeah. and so it's just it's fascinating there's um yeah i think that they'll they'll get it together i mean they will but uh, let's get on to um edmonton uh, yakupov gets his opener and gets a goal well that, the, the, i have to i have to say this because i mean yakupov got his second of the season the only goal for st louis Ed, edmonton is now 4 and 1 that's but, right but <laughs> yeah, okay but <laughs> what's ottawa mhm mhm mm-hmm. continue can I put it back? Yep, go ahead. <laughs> Edmonton does a video presentation for Nail Yakupov. I thought about that. I knew you were going I'm, to do I'm waiting for Daryl <laughs> Cates to produce a movie on the career of Taylor Hall. Re- I mean, really? You, ju- you just dumped this guy for absolutely nothing. And you yeah, you wouldn't give him the time of day. Yeah, and and um, I like I was even more. You don't get the time of day or time on the ice, but you will get a tribute. tribute right, I, I was even more over the top <laughs> on Twitter last night. It says you basically threw away four years of this guy's career, and then you give him a video tribute. They love their people up there. I mean, the fans, the fans love their Oilers. I mean, this is what it comes down to. And Yakupov had a great quote too. He said, "Every my whole family will be here except for my dog." Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. He's a great kid. I mean, you know, and, and they asked him. Points. He's got three points in five games, and he's only averaging 10 to 12 minutes of ice time. Imagine yeah. if he was averaging 17 minutes. Yeah, no, he's a he's a good player. I mean, it, he's a this is a great fit for him in this team. It's a good it's a yeah. great place for him to be. He's going to be yeah. going to be set there. I think, you know, and the Oilers, they continue to look well. And the Oilers, the Oilers look good, and they're not just getting scoring from only McDavid either, which is kind of encouraging for Oilers fans. I think they are getting yeah. scoring from all over the place. Um and their goaltending is getting a little bit better. Like they they have had issues. Still, I'm not saying their goalie is definitely you know killing it right now. But you know they are. Uh, yeah, they're they're. Go- I think they're. I was surprised by that. I think I actually thought Taylor Hall deserved more of a you know of, of a video tribute than well, than they, you know, the, the More that's more like that's more like the Ottawa Senators doing it for Alexander Daig. You know, well, like. Right. <laughs> Well, that, that's why I said, I mean, I don't know how long the video tribute was, but I'm sure it was probably 30 seconds during a TV timeout. If they gave Nail Yakupov, who essentially his career in four years in Edmonton was a failure, they gave him a video presentation, they should be producing a Schindler's List length mo- feature movie for Taylor Hall, a guy who finished in the top 10 in scoring. I mean, right. Oh, yeah. I mean, the funny, the funny thing about the interview he did with, um, I can't remember his name in between periods, um, but, you know, it was one of these famous Canadian guys. Um, yeah. Mike, Mike, what's oh god, what's his name? Not Mark Spector. His name is Mike something. Uh, Mike Toth. He looks like Garth. Um, what's his name? I can't remember. Anyway, anyway, um, no, anyway, I can't think of who it is. But oh, anyway. I know who you're talking about with the with the yeah. He's yeah. Got he's, anyway, he's interviewing. Yes, I mean, he's talking. He asked him about the review tribute. Yeah. This is between the first night period, and you know, I was like, oh, it's really nice. It was. I really appreciate the fans. Were fans were always great here. Um, and then they said, so what's it feel like to score your first goal? And now in the very next sentence, without even skipping a breath, it's so nice to score against my old team. It's great to get it here. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> it was really funny. Just the interview went from like, you know, oh, they gave me a video tribute and thank God I scored on them and screwed them it was all in one breath. Um, that was awesome. Now the big thing for this game, if you look at like how the stat lines match up, 12 giveaways for both teams, both, I mean, 30 blocks for Edmonton. Imagine if there were 30 blocks for Edmonton because Talbot had to face 35 shots. This is something that I still think is going to be a problem for Edmonton to sustain during the year because that's an awful lot of shots. But they did win on faceoffs, 58%. So that was a big deal for them. But that's a lot of shots. I mean, we're talking about now like at least 55 or 60 shots attempted in that game. Yeah, at least. 
that was that was a that was a great that was a fun game to watch it was those are two i mean that's been fun to watch i i would definitely tell you that yeah it gives you a sense of um i mean and that was what was weird about the ducks flyers game is that each team had like 25 shots which was strange because that that we haven't seen games like that for the most part that's more like a mid-season you know old school atlantic division game or something like that um so gretzky last night on austin matthews you see this this is pretty fun um on the score network um they they were interviewing him um and he said uh, i was he's about austin matthews and he says i'm thinking okay my 50 goals in 39 games is in jeopardy and maybe 92 in a single season is in trouble uh, come on wayne don't say that i mean that, that's he, he's just having fun he's that's having fun with it you know it's wayne and, you know, Wayne. Wayne was interviewed by our friend Josh Rimmer last week, and he made, he talked very favorably about Matthews and said that you know Matthews benefited from that pro year in Switzerland, and that was similar to him in the WHA when he played as a 17-year-old in Indianapolis and Edmonton and playing against adults, even though they weren't NHL caliber, really helped him early in his career. And I I buy that, and Matt and Matthews had a good game against against Minnesota last night. But please do not say 50 goals in 39 games because that's just your fear. That's your fear. He's just being nice. He's not jinxing you, I promise. That's all he's doing. You're uh, not going to be jinxed by this. It's not happening. It's just – it's just. he went on to say great things. He said it's hard to score in the NHL, Gretzky said. Um, and it's really hard today with the goaltenders being as good as they are and the players as good as they are. So what he did was remarkable. Good for him. It's great for Toronto. What's more important about the rise of the extraordinary young talent is that is how they're respecting the game and how they treat people and how much enjoyment you can see they're having bringing to their clubs, how much fun they're having. So this is just Wayne saying good stuff about it. Yeah, that's all it is. Yes. Yeah. Well, the has been very vocal lately. Um, but, you know, the, it was, you know, and, and, you know, of course, you know, we were we were joking around in the press box that that Matt Reed had matched Austin Matthews um, in this for four goals in the season just seconds before Austin Matthews scored again last night. Yeah. To, uh, well, if you Reed, think about it, yeah. If you think about it in in Wayne's era, Austin Matthews is the closest thing to Mario Lemieux that was like the only guy who existed like that in Wayne's era. But now there's yeah. a lot of guys that exist that are close to this. Matthews is better than him. But the model of that player is so much different. But yeah, and the thing is, that physically and in terms of his vision, McDavid is more close to Gretzky in terms of yes. how yeah. he plays. But you don't, you really don't hear Wayne comparing McDavid to him because McDavid's in Edmonton. He's part now part of the. He doesn't want to put that on him. Right, exactly. But but he is. <laughs> He's willing to put it on Trump. It is a conspiracy, Mr. Trump. Um, yeah, I think. Well, that- well, again, I was at a Wayne Gretzky event where he said he would <laughs> love to have played for Toronto, and they did trade for him, and it didn't happen. Like they were trying, Toronto was desperately trying to trade for him, but the Rangers got him instead. No, 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 no. I, I know that. I know that story because he's he's actually talked about it, and, and Bill yeah. Waters talked about it in an interview that I had. The the Leafs were going through their budget process at that point. They were trying to build Air Canada Center, and they were cutting payroll. And at that time, Gretzky was he had been traded from L.A. to St. Louis, and he was going to be a UFA, and he wanted. Five, like around $5 million a year from the Leafs. The Leafs really couldn't afford to pay him and Gilmore and Sundin, so he got the $5 million out of the Rangers. And if you look yeah. at his career after that, he basically went downhill. So it, you, know. Still, you know what? Even downhill for Wayne Gretzky is last year, I try and tell people, even with a horrible neck, he had 60-something assists. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And you know, and that all that all that that did was keep it from Toronto being blamed from going downhill. I mean, that that it would it would have been, been he went to the Maple Leafs and then he sucked and everybody's you know that's what would have happened. It would have been completely that's where, that's where everybody went to retire. Act. I mean, Eric Lindros went to the Leafs in two thousand six. He was. There. Oh, I know. I have an Eric Lindros jersey right over there. Um, yeah, I do. Um, an Eric Lindros Maple Leafs jersey. So, yep, I know, yeah. I know. So if you're if you're obsessing about PK Subban and Shea Weber, there's a website for you now, actually. If you're a Montreal Canadian fan who's worried about this, um, I love this site. This is this is great. Let me show you. Um, I'll bring it up here. So just in case you're curious, at any point in time, you can go here to pksubantracker.com, and you will see this. Uh, this will tell you exactly what's happening between these two players all the time. Um, but it doesn't tell you the full story. It doesn't. No, this is the full story, Russ. This is no. it. Statistics are everything. Um, this is all there is. And... <laughs> Uh-oh. I just think that that's hilarious. It is funny. PKSubanTracker.com. Uh, we need a light. What? Yeah, 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 maybe. I'll be back. Uh-oh. I'll be back. I'll be back. I'll be back. Okay, just me. PKSubanTracker killed us. Killed us. Uh, it affected uh, the show. Well, okay, and... In connection with the Canadians, Carey Price comes back last night. They win five to two over the Coyotes. Um, I mean, Russ. Okay, I act your back. Yeah, sorry, I got sucked into the the the, uh, the vortex. vortex that is the PK Subban tracker. Um, I was completely just <laughs> PK Subban tracker dot com. That's right, PK PK Subban tracker. I'm never going there again. It scares me. Um, and it, it's a scary place to be somewhere in the middle reality between P.K. Subban and Shea Weber that I was stuck there. So, yeah. Straining order against tracking P.K. Subban. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so when do we start up the draft simulator? No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I got it queued up. <laughs> but, Is it but, live? Uh, Montreal yeah. won 5-2 last night with Kerry with Price in goal. Um, they actually scored five goals, which is shocking. I know. They did score five goals, and, and they gave up a couple goals, too. So, so well, we could basically say – Unequivocally, that team is 100% linked to Carey Price mentally and otherwise. Yeah, I mean, but see, yeah. that's the thing. This is not this, this is not a bulletin. I mean, no, but here's the thing. Here's the difference, though. The Rangers showed that at the time that they were really a peak team, even with Cam Talbot, you got the same play. It's not the same with the Canadians, though. It's not. Yeah, I mean, and 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 okay. Look at look at who scored last night. Emelin, Mitchell, yeah, whoever on the power play, Galchenyuk, Lakonin. So it was spread out. It remember when Galchenyuk scores, it doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, unless he's playing on unless he's playing on the wing. Right. That center right. doesn't count. But no. the, what I'm saying is, like they did early in the year last year, if you remember, they were getting offense from the Brian, from the Flins, from the Mitchell. Yes. You know, the third and fourth liners were scoring like crazy. Dale, I think Dale Weiss was scoring big when, when early in the year. But they weren't relying solely on Pacioretty and and uh, and and their and Subban. But when those guys stop scoring, because you can't depend on those third, fourth liners to score consistently, you need Pacioretty, Radulov, Placanets to score. And that's the thing. I don't know whether those guys can pick up the slack when these guys stop scoring. I think that's fair. I mean, but the question, I mean, I, the real liberal question here that's going to come to play is, is you know, is Carey Price going to be able to 
stay healthy. I mean, that's what it all comes down to, right? I mean, it, and I, I think I think that's the end, at the end of the day. I think scoring. Yeah. I mean, Carey Price is good enough that he's he's almost scoring them a goal or two a game in his own way. You know, he's keeping yes. goal or two out of the net. So, I mean, he really he does help them not have to score. You know, fifty or sixty goals a season. You know that he. Michelle so Terrien looks a lot better when Carey Price is in that. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, <laughs> a lot better. And without him, yeah, that would without him, that's not much going on. Um, the uh, by the way, oh, a rumor, a little rumor based thing here, quickly. Um, there were a lot of people, a lot of scouts in Philadelphia last night watching Cam Fowler play. Cam Fowler looked really good, yep. um, for sure. Um, it's awkward to go to talk to somebody after been writing about them all the time <laughs> to say that. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, Cam Fowler, it was, he's, you know, he's a he's a strong, solid guy. Um, it was and the first that I noticed Las Vegas was out there scouting. Too. Yeah, there was a Vegas was in the house. I know that was interesting. How do you know how many teams there were, or any specific teams? Um, there were de- there was definitely a big Maple Leafs contingency. Um, yeah, I would say there was a good seven or eight teams. Yeah, I'd say seven or eight. Um, the Maple Leafs were there. I know the Devils were there. Um, the Rangers. I saw one person from the Rangers. I think I couldn't confirm it later. I was trying yeah. to find it if I confirm it, but I thought I saw somebody from the Rangers who I at least at least I thought worked with the Rangers. That's really a bad. Um, a bad assessment of all that. We tried to, Russ was trying to help me with that, but yeah, they had the food it. cart blocking it. I couldn't see. <laughs> I couldn't get to the cart. <laughs> couldn't get past the food the cart. The list on the wall was blocked. Uh, yeah, there was there. I mean, um, and I think, but there was definitely a really big Maple Leafs contingency there. So, well, the, the Bob McKenzie reported last night that the 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 gap between uh, the Ducks offer and Hampus Lindholm's offer is two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. A year. A year, so he he wants to be paid a little more than Seth Jones and a little more than another recent contract that just happened. Um, I can't remember who it was, but one of the one of the uh, one of the defensemen who was a holdout or one of the are oh uh, Ristolainen. Um, so and they're offering him less. So if that's the sticking point, I mean, eventually, you know, two hundred fifty thousand dollars is going to get worked out. It'll be some sort of compromise. Well, it's almost two million bucks though if it's six years. Right. Well, yeah, a million and a half. But the thing is, it's like I mean, if uh, is Lindholm a better defenseman than Ristolainen? Is Lindholm a better defenseman than Seth Jones? I think they're all in the same area. So, you know, maybe you want to get five point four and accept that and that as a compromise. But if he's holding out for a little more, Anaheim seems to be wanting to hold hold them to that five point four mark or a little a little below. And here's what I think. I think he's better than Seth Jones. And he's equal to Ristolainen. Okay, yeah. I don't. I don't know if he's better than Seth Jones, but maybe. Well, the one. The one point that McKenzie made, and it's it's a good one, is that a six-year contract, which I think they're talking about, buy, buys up two years of unrestricted free agency for Lindholm because he's a year older. It only bought up one year of Ristolainen. So that yeah. now that's that's a big thing. Usually, when you're buying two years of UFA you get paid a lot more because that's two years that you could be out there making over $6 million. Here's why I think Lindholm's better. Last year he had 10 goals. Year before he had seven goals. Year before he had six goals. <clears throat> he was a plus 29 three years ago, a plus 25 two years ago, a plus seven last year. Even in that bad year, he was a plus seven. This guy is a ter- tremendous player. I know everybody thinks Seth Jones should be better because he's bigger, faster, stronger. I don't think he's better. Okay, that's your opinion. I don't agree with it. It's okay. I don't, I don't. You don't have to. We no, I don't. Disagree. We're not. I, I think. No, I mean, I think I'd, I'd, I'd take Seth Jones over 
I think that, I think Seth Jones is a better athlete. I don't know if he's a he better is. player. Right. Yeah, no, that's I think that's fair. I mean, but I think it depends how Seth Jones develops. You know, like Seth Jones could really develop into a heck of a hockey Well, this player. is the thing. I mean, you're still talking about Seth Jones developing and Lindholm is developed. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, Douglas Murray has retired. Um, just out of curiosity, if you're anybody's curious. But he retired very slowly. Yes, his quote is, it's over. There will be no more. That's like a good, like good when idea. a tree falls. I get yeah. it. <laughs> right, I get uh, it. Dale Weiss is uh, going to have a hearing with the NHL yep. for a hit on Corbinian Holzer last night. You were there. Did you see it? Or yeah, I did see it. Um, I don't think it was that egregious. I don't think he's going to get time for it. I, yeah. He got a penalty in the game. Yeah, I didn't think so. I didn't. I didn't. I. Didn't, I it, it would be very surprising if he got a suspension. I mean, he doesn't have yeah. a very a history of this stuff either. So, no. you know, that that would be it would be very surprising if he did. Ovechkin um scored his 90th game winning goal last night as you know what 750th goal. But he doesn't have any cups or rings, so. But that 90th game-winning goal ties him with Mike Gartner for on second for the game-winning goal record, which is one away from tying Wayne Gretzky. So Ovechkin. All right, but wait, the game-winning goal thing is is a fluky record because it only came into existence in Wayne Gretzky's era, and I'm not even sure it was there at the beginning. Yeah. Right. And and now because every game is resolved with a win, it counts overtime games. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. So it is a fluky stat. Now, uh, 750th goal for Yager. Yager. Yeah, not, not Ovechkin. Sorry, Yager. 750th goal. And that's, you know, that, I mean, I, I don't know how much longer he's going to play, if it's going to be just this year or another. I mean, but is 800 possible? I want to ask Yager, because I know he watches this show, if he remembers all 750. That's what I want to ask him. <laughs> Um, he, he is, I think he will keep playing until they kick him out. I, mean, I, yeah. I don't think he's going to stop. I don't think he's going to keep going. And so they take away the keys from the ring. Someone's going to tell him. And I think that Florida just likes him so much. And they have this, they really just, they think he's almost like a mascot for them. Like he's almost, you know, he's going to stick around. They're going to a very old mascot. probably transition into some kind of strange, you know, coach slash, you know, play three minutes a game guy or something. Like that. <laughs> I hey, listen, he's got a restaurant. Remember, he's got a restaurant in the Czech Republic that he's got to keep going. So, you know. Yeah, but, you know, he's been doing that for a long time. So, and, and we do sit here today with the Vancouver Canucks being the only team not without a loss, which is pretty interesting because none of us would have thought that was coming, even though they only they only led in one of I was the only one who thought they were half decent. You guys were like, forget That's true. It, That's true. That's true. No, they're, they're, they're doing But it's early. It is early. Oh, it is very early, but. I still think that, you know, yeah. there was a good game last night in the, um, and finally, I think, talk about the um, Pittsburgh, the, the rematch of the Stanley Cup finals that took place last night, which was a good game. Uh, the Sharks and the, and the Penguins. And it was very much, very similar to the Stanley Cup finals in a lot of ways. Um, you know, that the Sharks got a lead, the Penguins came back and, and won the game. Um, but it was, you know, it was definitely high, high intensity. Um, I watched it late, well, actually, early this morning. I guess it was one in the morning sometime there, in there. And um, yeah, it was really uh, it was it had a lot of intensity to it. It was a real fun game. Is Martin Jones as good this year as he was last year? Not yet, not in my estimation. No, no, not yet. Well, it, I, I think that this is going to be a concern, and maybe it'll be addressed by Doug Wilson down the line. But Martin Jones is going to have all the weight on his shoulders. Their backup goaltender is yeah. Aaron Dell. Who wow. the hell is Aaron Dell? <laughs> That's uh, a good T-shirt. Who the hell is Aaron Dell? Um, and his mother knows, but yeah, not maybe, but um, <laughs> maybe <laughs> no, up for adoption, so maybe not. <laughs> I mean, right now, Martin Jones' save percentage is 887, 
Patrick Marlowe has 483 goals, um, which is pretty crazy because he could hit 50 this year. And yeah. um, he's tied now for 50th all-time with Sergei Fedorov. Crazy. Well, when you mentioned Ovechkin and the 90th game-winning goal, I heard something a couple weeks ago, and I just sort of scoffed at it. He's got 527 career goals, and he's 31 years old. And there's somebody who was trying to make the case that Ovechkin could catch Gretzky. I don't think so. I don't think there's a chance. There's a chance, but it depends on a lot of things. I mean, that would mean scoring 50 goals, seven more, you know, seven more seasons. He could do it. He could do it. I mean, 38. I, I, I don't. He could do it. I mean, it, it doesn't. It, I mean, he could play till he's 44. I mean, you know, it doesn't even necessarily mean he's got to score 50 goals in seven straight seasons. You know, so. Right. I mean, look. If he plays as long as you know, say you know, Yager's playing, <laughs> then yeah. he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna blow it out the water. You know, he's gonna. But he's got a shot. He he definitely has a shot. I wouldn't um, count him out. As does Austin Matthews. I really believe. Um, oh, stop. <laughs> Austin Matthews is on his route to score. He's he's I know he's he's slowed down, but he's still at eighty. He's still at an 80, 89 or ninety two goal pace right now. He's it's 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 very impressive. There he is. Wayne Gretzky had eight hundred and ninety four career goals. Right. So that that is three that is three hundred and sixty seven goals that that uh, that Ovechkin would have to catch. But adjusting up. for the eras. Um, well, yeah, that's impressive. I think this is really impressive. I think well, Ovechkin I'm, I'm not is, saying, but, but it's almost saying. like it's almost like he has Ovechkin has like 700 goals. Like I, I, it's yeah, like to me, I'm taking the errors into account, and I think that makes what he has very impressive. But the fact that he still has 360 goals to get, and he's past the age of 30, it's not happening. I mean, the, yeah, I know. But then the thing, the thing that Ovechkin has that the record that Ovechkin has that no one can touch. Is how many goals, and this isn't even a record they keep, but how many goals he has kept? He he has scored more than any other player since he's entered the NHL, which is insane. Yeah. It's like it's almost two hundred goals. It's like this because there's a crazy number there of what he has scored. I think it's one hundred and fifty goals. More well, his than durability is fantastic. Yeah. Durability, is, but just to be so that shows you the era he's playing in. He is just that much better than everybody else at scoring goals. Yeah, um, and that's incredible. That's impressive. I mean, that's that's an incredible thing. Uh, all the time we have for today, folks. Um, oh, wait, before we go, we do have to one, one more thing here. I forgot about this. Sorry. I hate to do this to you guys, but I wanted to bring this up uh, for sure. Here we go. Um, here, we're going to run the NHL lottery simulator. Um, oh, my God. All right, ready? Uh, we got uh, right now the Columbus Blue Jackets with the best chance to win this. Um, according to this, here we go. And the winner is the Nashville Predators. <laughs> all right, Nashville. I'm ending the show right there. I want to officially say that this is the this is the first running of the NHL lottery simulator by any show anywhere. That's right, and that's why we that's why we're the best, guys. We're always breaking ground. Yep. <laughs> Remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. Talk to you soon. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.